Father God, we come before you and we ask that you continue to pour out your spirit into this place. As I speak, Lord, that it be you and not I. As we open the scripture, send your Holy Spirit for wisdom and understanding and clarity, Lord. And thank you in advance for the great wonders that you're going to do. Prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. Be with us right now, right here in this place. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we're going to sort of a continuation from last week. We're going to be uh, talking about the peril. Now we talked last week about a parable. You know for the last couple of weeks we've been dealing with different parables of Jesus. We talked about the one that had to do with the hidden treasure. Well, the very next verse introduces yet another parable about the kingdom of heaven. We'll go ahead and we'll have that up on the screen. Matthew 13, beginning on verse 35. Matthew chapter 13, beginning on verse 35. I'm um, verse 45, sorry. And it says, Matthew 13, 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like, he did a lot of these, Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a mer- merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Verse 46, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so here's the thing. Last time we had something similar with somebody who went out on the field, he found a head of treasure, he hid it back out, went and sold everything so that he could go and purchase that field. We talked about the field being the holy scriptures, the word of God. We talked about the hidden treasure to be the gospel that it is found within. Well, now we're talking about the pearl. And the pearl, this is something that we're going to look at, the meaning of this. And the pearl right now, this precious pearl, this beautiful thing, without any blemish, completely spotless, a gift of God, the pearl represents Christ Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a precious, beautiful pearl without blemish, without any flaws whatsoever. And what more beautiful and perfect than Christ Jesus, whom God loves, loved the world so much that he gave him to us. He is that precious pearl. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Beginning on verse 1, it says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And as for many as have not seen my face in the flesh, verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches, to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I don't know if you realize how precious Christ Jesus is. God so loved the world that he gave him to us. He died for you and me. He changed his life for our death. He changed salvation when we were supposed to have perdition. He made us completely spotless, as white as wool, as white as snow, even though our sins were red like crimson and, and, and red like scarlet. And this is what he did. And in him, not only do we have an amazing gift in Christ Jesus, but also all of the perks that come with that. You let Christ into your life and wonderful things follow. This is why the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. In Christ Jesus, in God the Father, in God the Son, you have in them all of the hidden treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1.30, and we'll have that up on the screen, it says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Righteousness 
came from Christ. Sanctification. Are you familiar with sanctification? Yes, no, we've talked about it before. It's a process where we are being cleansed, where Christ is working with us, when our old self begins to disappear and we start seeing a new person, something begins to happen with us. Remember that sermon about three or four sermons ago about leaven, how it works from within and then out. So you get a chance to see little by little how that process works where we become perfected. And then redemption Redemption is something that many of us don't understand, but if you look at the scriptures, how redemption took place, let me just put it to you this way. It is something that was done on our behalf that we could not do for ourselves, plain and simple. Unless somebody stepped in and redeemed us, we could not do it of ourselves. And this is the things that we find in Christ Jesus a quick quote before we go to the next Bible text. Uh, if this won't be on the screen, but it says on Christ Object Lesson 115, Our Redeemer is uh, the peril so precious that in comparison all things else may be accounted loss. And so we have Jesus as the precious gift. The problem is that when Jesus came, remember when we talked about the mustard seed, people were talking about who is this guy, how come he didn't come with his army of soldiers, and he was ready to take over. He came very humble, and a totally different Messiah than what we expected. What happens is that Jesus came in this format. It wasn't the one that they wanted, so many people rejected the precious pearl, and Jesus. Until this day, many people are still rejecting Jesus. Yes, we use excuses. Well, I didn't like how that brother and sister talked to me when we were at church. I didn't like how the brother and sister dressed when they came to church. Or maybe sometimes you share other things, but it really just comes down to excuses. At the end of the day, our job is to do our part to be Christ-like. But the enemy will do everything he can to attack you and hit you where it hurts. I have learned that so much, so, so much. I have a friend of mine, um, him and I, we, we ride motorcycles together. We haven't written in a while. Uncle Vincent, love him. He told a children's story here about three years ago. Um, 75-year-old man, he left the church because some church members were kind of nasty with him. Um, he, his wife was Caucasian, he was black, was a mixed race, and this was when this was like really ugly and taboo, and they mistreated him. He left for like 40 years. Came back, and the very first day he came back to church, he put his Bible down, went to the restroom, came back, somebody had moved it because he put it on their seat. And they moved it one row over and to the middle. And so he's like, ooh, he calls me Pastor Jay. He's like, Pastor Jay, you don't understand. I knew what the devil was doing. First day back, he hit me where I like it because, you know, I, I don't take anything from anybody. And immediately, I apparently took their seat. And I didn't see a name on it. But they moved my stuff and touched my stuff and woo. But I wasn't going to let the devil win. I remain and I have been attending faithfully ever since. And so... That was his thing, but it hit it right where it is. You struggle with women, guess what? Even if you're ugly, you're going to have every woman throw themselves at you. You struggle with money, and even if you have wealth, you're going to see everybody leaving their wallets everywhere with cash just popping out. It's like, <gasps> because the devil's going to hit you where you struggle the most. And so it is by embracing Christ. Some people say to me, I mentioned it this morning in Crawford and another message, you know, many people have said to me, you know, I love Christ, but I don't do well with the Christians. 
I love Jesus, but I struggle with the fans of Jesus, those who proclaim him. And so, you know what? I get that. But we are told that we all will have an opportunity to hear about Christ Jesus. And so, don't let people who are yet to be truly converted be the excuse for you to turn away from God. Because you know what? Yes, it may have been the Christians that did it, but it was never Christ. Yes, it may have been even pastors and leaders of the church, but it wasn't Christ. Do not reject Jesus. This is what the people did. It was not the Messiah that they wanted, so they turned away from him. John chapter 1, verse 11. We'll have that up on the screen. It says, and he came to his own, his own, and his own what? Did not what? They did not receive him. John chapter 1, verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not get it. They did not comprehend it. They did not understood it, so they turned away from him. But some people did receive Jesus with gladness. They did sell all that they had. They gave up everything for him. And I know you're saying, like some people... You know, talk to me about how can you say that the pearl is Jesus, you know, has a price. Salvation is a free gift. You know, what are are you saying there? What do you mean? Well, you know, it is a free gift, but the Lord gives you free will. And you have to accept him. You have to choose him. And that also means that you have to let go of some things for him. I mean, think about this. I, I don't know what you use when you guys were, were talking, you know, uh, but I remember back in the day when I was young, we had this term going, going steady, right? But before we were going steady, we used to do what it was called talking, the talking stage. So I would talk to this girl, but I wasn't committed to her. We weren't, we weren't going steady yet, and I could talk to somebody else and everything else. But once you commit and you're going steady, I mean, it is it. It's just you and me and nobody else. I can't say, yeah, I like to go steady with multiple people. I like to marry and commit to multiple. And no, no, once you make a commitment out of love for that individual, you, you let go of whatever else. You lose those numbers. You erase those things. You delete those accounts. I mean, you let it all go because it's just you and me, honey. Does that make sense? When you accept Christ, you accept him completely. You give yourself to him completely. You cannot do that one foot in the church and the one foot out, and you're sort of like this. And it's like, you know, depending on the day. Maybe on Saturday mornings. Maybe when the pastor comes visit and I hide all my DVDs. That's when I look like I'm the one that walks right here versus the one that walks over here. It is not how it works. There is, if you will, a price for Jesus. There is a cause for Jesus. And so I'll share with you, we have it on the screen, this one, Christ's Object Lessons, page 116. It says, in the parable, the pearl is not represented as a gift. The merchantman bought it at, bought it at the price of all that he had. Many question the meaning of this since Christ is represented in the scriptures as a gift. He is a gift, but only to those who give themselves, soul, body, and spirit to him without reserve. We are to give ourselves to Christ to live a life of willing obedience to all his requirements. All that we are, all the talents and capabilities we possess are the Lord's to be consecrated to his service. When we thus give ourselves wholly to him, Christ, with all the treasures of heaven, gives himself to us. We obtain the pearl of great price. 
completely to God. You know, it messes me up. I meet with people, and those of you who met with me, I still got some of you that I got to meet with. After I find out your conversion story, I always ask you, how do you see yourself serving in the church? Pray about it. Think about it. Let me know. So many times I get, well, maybe. I like to do what I just do, and that's okay. Have you really given yourself to God completely, service and all? We're not doing nominating committee in this church this year because we moved to a two-year term. But this time this year, we're doing that in Crawfordville, and we passed a survey this morning. We got half of them blank when it says, what are you interested in serving in the church? I mean, and don't laugh, because when we did that here last year, you people, some of you put in there like, well, ask the Lord what he wants me, and maybe I'll serve there. Or some other was like, it's not... How it works, you know, like, like we're asking for willingness. So I pray for next year when it's time for service that, that we are bombarded by people who are saying, I, I, who will go before us? You know, send me, Lord, send me, send I, here it is, send me, Lord, I am here, send me. It is my prayer, but you give to God your all. Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, it says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Revelation 3.18, a little bit later. Revelation 3. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And so here you have, earlier in the chapter, 10 verses earlier, you're talking about this idea of I know your works, how you remain faithful, how you have done this. But you see, here's the thing. It, this has nothing to do, this great price, is about what you do with yourself and do you give yourself completely to God. It's not about wealth. It's not about money. It's not about earthly gold and, and pearls or anything like that. It has to do with your service and who you are. Are you completely surrounded? To God. This is verse 18 that it says, I counsel you to buy gold refined with fire and, and, and that you may be rich with white garments, right? But look at the previous verse that leads into this, verse 17 of Revelation 3. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I mean, here you have it. This is what is leading into that. It's not about you having need of nothing. There's a reason why among poverty, people turn to God because they have nothing else. So it's a little bit easier for them to jump and believe. But when everything is going fine for you and life is going great, why do you feel a need of a Savior? People often feel a need when they find out they got an illness, when something goes bad. Oh, okay, then, then maybe I should look for hope something somewhere, some way, somehow. But even when things are going great, especially when you have blessings bestowed upon you, that's when we should recognize from whom all the blessings flow. Plain and simple. And so you think everything is great and you have need of nothing, knowing that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Naked. Who found themselves naked? If it wasn't Adam and Eve when they were immersed in sin for the first time and recognized, oh, I am naked, and it wasn't until Christ sacrificed a lamb and covered them because innocence had to shed his blood for the forgiveness of the sinful. 
And it wasn't, and this is referring to all of that. So then I counsel you in the next verse to receive gold from me, not that earthly gold, the one that I give you, and my garment so that you're no longer naked, so that you are clothed and pure. This is what God says. There's a parable in Matthew, which I could tell a whole other sermon about but some other day, but we're going to read verse 20, chapter 21 of Matthew, verse 31. So I want you to listen to this. Uh, Matthew 21, verse 31. Which of the two did the will of his father? This is Jesus asking a question on the parable that he was mentioning. They said to him the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. It messes me up when someone comes into the church and visit that doesn't quite look like the rest of us. Ooh, how we look at them and judge them and, and, and see them through different eyes than what we ought to. Don't you know that most likely the kingdom of heaven will be theirs over us? Don't you know that most likely they will enter much easier than we will? Because we don't sense to, seem to feel the need for a Savior, the need for a Christ, the need for redemption, because we are okay. But that is not how it works. You got Jesus. He's a precious gift. And are you willing to give your all to him? We're not going to put this on the screen, but it's Christ Object Lessons 117. We cannot earn salvation, but we are to seek for it with as much interest and perseverance as though we would abandon everything in the world for it. Are you really seeking the kingdom of God in that manner? Revelation 3.20, same chapter that we were reading earlier. Uh, verse uh, 3.21, 3.21. Here's what it says. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. I love the grace of God. I'm the first one to tell you it doesn't matter what you've done, his grace is sufficient. I am the first one to tell you that it doesn't matter what has happened in your life, as bad as you think it is, Christ will heal and cleanse all of it. It is all good. I'm also the first one to tell you. Somebody talked to me this week, was concerned about how some people are coming to church, dress or whatever. I'll be the first one to tell you I'm good with it. I don't care how you dress or how you are, how you come to the church. I'm more concerned about whom you have a relationship with. Because if you truly have a relationship with God, he will work in you and through you and transformation will take place. And so instead of me picking about all of your exterior things, I want to focus on who is inside of you, who is in your interior. Is Christ living in you? So here's the thing. If you have been attending this church for 20 years, 30 years, not necessarily Tallahassee, but the Adventist church, if you are like a 17th generation Adventist, and you're still struggling with the same struggles that you've had and the same faults and the same flaws, something is happening. Because the idea is that you come as you are and I ain't going to beat you up for it. But Christ will take you where he wants you to be. And that's the idea. But you've remained the same. You know, it breaks my heart sometimes when I go meet up with all friends and he says, man, Joey, you haven't changed. I was like, really? You don't see that even a little bit? I mean, it's like, come on. Come on, you got to see something, you know. And, and so, so it breaks my heart when I hear that because then I'm checking myself like, whoa, has God really not finished with me? I mean, no, he's not finished with me, but he has not gotten some progress along. I mean, foundation should have been there. Maybe the sticks of the house. Maybe I don't have a roof yet, but man, something. 
Uh, there should have been some kind of progress in my life. And so here's what happens. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. To him who overcomes. You have to overcome. You will overcome. But now, look at the previous verse. Because we always preach about the previous one. Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and hear with me. Here is the secret to overcoming. The Lord is knocking at the door of your heart. Let him in and from within he will work. Now by my own will, by my own strength, by my own might, I might be able to keep part of the commandments. I might be able to be partially okay and, and, and pretend and fool many of you into being an okay Christian. But it is not until I allow Christ in my heart, who is knocking at the door, who says, let me in, that then, verse 21 comes in where it says, and to him that overcomes, behold and stand and knock, let me in, we'll get our grub together, and then to him that overcomes, would I grant you to sit. Because you see, we can't do this of ourselves. We cannot. And one of the problems that we have, one of the problems that we have is that, you know, here in Tallahassee, it's kind of country, and, and, and you got long rows and, and trees and back rows and canopy rows, which is beautiful. Love riding my motorcycle through there. It's great. But in Camden, New Jersey, where I grew up, it's all inner city. The, the city is only like four and a half miles round, and, and it's one of the worst cities in the U.S., but you pretty much run into everybody anywhere at any time. My wife came from a similar city in Perth Amboy, and every time we go grocery shopping or something like that, it's like, I wonder who we're going to run into next. Because you see them everywhere. You would not believe the people that used to hide from church people when they were at the stores. I don't want them to see my ears and down the aisle grabbing something like this, you know, and doing all that stuff. It's like, listen. The problem is that when you're messing up, and you stay away from the church, stay away from your church family, hide from God, all is harming is you. All is harming is you. Especially when you messed up. It's when you need to come crawling right back. And you don't have to crawl far because he's right there waiting for you along the way. You're trying to get away. He's like, come on, come on, come on. You know, like a parent, you know, chasing after their baby who just learned to crawl. is barely walking. You kind of, come on, I got you. I got you. I'm right here. But we just try and try to get away. Behold and stand at the door and knock. Let me in. To him that overcomes. Christ Object Lessons. We'll have this on the screen, page 118. There are some who seem to be always seeking for the heavenly peril, but they do not make an entire surrender of their wrong habits. They do not die to self that Christ may live in them. Therefore, they do not find the precious pearl. They have not overcome unholy ambition and their love for worldly attractions. They do not take up the cross and follow Christ in the path of self-denial and sacrifice. Almost Christians, yet not fully Christians, they seem near the kingdom of heaven, but they cannot enter there. Almost, but not wholly saved, means to be not almost, but wholly lost. Come on now. Come on now. I was, uh, I shared this with you guys about two and a half years ago. I was retelling the story to my nephew about this guy that used to go to the gym at the Jewish Community Center where he used to be a personal trainer ages ago, 80 pounds ago. And he would come and he would put the plates. He would sit down. He would go, ah, grunt a little bit, you know, touch it a little bit, but never lift it. Just get back up, walk around, hit himself. Ah, ah. 
you know, making sure that everything is fine. For 45 minutes, we will watch him do this over and over. I worked there for six years, and over and over we saw him do this, and never one that I see him actually lift it. I mean, he dressed the part. He put the, 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 the weights on there. He took them off. He did all of these things, but never actually worked out. Some of us show up for Sabbath school, show up for divine worship, maybe even Wednesday sometimes. You may surprise us and bless us with your presence there. You know, you do all of that. You dress apart, you talk apart, but never fully let Christ into your heart. He is the precious pearl of this parable. He is a precious gift. Let him in completely into your life. Next quote, very next paragraph in page 118 of Christ's Object Lessons. It says, The parable of the merchant seeking godly pearls has a double significance. It applies not only to men as seeking the kingdom of heaven, but to Christ as seeking his lost inheritance. Christ, the heavenly merchantman, seeking goodly pearls, saw in lost humanity the pearl of price. This parable has a dual meaning. Not only is Jesus the precious pearl that God who loves us so much gave to us, but you are his precious pearl. And he gave it all up for you and me. He left his heavenly comfort to come down here. He wasn't infected by sin, but he was affected by sin. He was humiliated, mistreated, felt everything that he had for you and me. And the beautiful thing is that he saw in us not a beautiful pearl, but he saw the beautiful pearl that we could be. In, in our filth, in our dirt, in our misery, in the middle of our sin. There's another scripture that says that while we were still sinners, while in the middle of committing the act, he died for you and me. He loves you and me. And he would have done that. Here is Christ. Giving it all for you, his precious pearl. He would have came and died even if it was just for one of us. That's how much each one of us individually individually mean to him. He knew our names before we were into existence. He knows the very hairs that we have in our heads. Again, it's easier for some of us than others to know that amount, but he knows it all. He knows it all. And we are his precious people. Zechariah 9.16. Here's, I'm going to give you like four or five verses of just what he thought of us and what we could become in Christ. Zechariah 9.16. The Lord, their God, will save them in that day as the flock of his people. For they shall be like jewels of a crown, lifted like a banner over his land. Malachi 3.17. Malachi 3.17. It says, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as as a man spare his own son who serves him. Acts 5.31. Acts 5.31. It says, Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and what? Savior, right? To give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. He gives you repentance. He gives you forgiveness. He is there. Zechariah. Zechariah 12.8. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David. And the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. See, understand something. When Jesus sees you, 
He doesn't see you for where you are, but he sees you for who you can be in him. If you allow him in your life, he sees something beautiful, something amazing, something precious. He loves you exactly how you are. He meets you where you are, and he wants to take you to where he is. He loves you very much. Acts chapter 4, 32 to 33, it says the following. Now the multitude of those who believe were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. You know, many people pray for unity. Lord, uh, uh, you know, send your Holy Spirit to, to, to bring us unity so that we could be together, so that we could be united. Notice this. The people were already in one accord and the Holy Spirit flow. If we're going to be able to be of one accord and really see the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through our churches, we need to let Christ work in our individual lives. He needs to work in our lives. We need to let him in. When, as he knocks on the door, let him in. And as he starts working in our lives individually, and we see that, suddenly it will be easy to be united. And when we are in one accord, every time there was unity in the scriptures, the Holy Spirit overflowed and manifested. Sometimes the Holy Spirit precedes, but other times it has to be the Lord in your heart. Unity, and then we see the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you see that there. They were one accord. They did not consider one thing's theirs. Why is it that some of us are starving in this church who have nothing to eat while other ones are overflowing? Here in Acts, one of the things that this is uh, talking about, that is touching on, they saw everything. They, they put it all together so that no one lacked anything, and they worked in that manner. They were together when they were in the upper room, one accord, over and over. But it is hard for me. Because even my family, I can't hang with them too long, let alone you guys, right? So how can I be able to love you, love a lovable people, hang out with folks who I struggle with? It is only when I start seeing you through the eyes of Christ. And I can only see you with the eyes of Christ if it's no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people... And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. You want to see the Holy Spirit work and add to the church daily? We had a baptism last week, praise God. Things like our first or second one of the year only, but we're already in March. You know, and we go, woohoo! But come on, daily. But the church needs to be ready to receive them. And we can't be ready unless it is no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. Are you ready to accept that pearl? Now, let me tell you something else. Remember, you are the pearl also. I, I, I searched online, and I did a search to see how a pearl was formed. And here's the, the most popular definition that I find online. Natural pearls form when an irritant, usually a parasite, not the proverbial grain of, grain of sand, works its way into an oyster, muscle, or clam. As a defense mechanism, a fluid is used to coat the irritant. Layer upon layer of this coating called nacre is deposited until the lustrous pearl is formed. And so I looked a little bit more than that about how it was formed, but do you notice that it happens slowly? 
gradually. I have to tell you, I have come a long way since I officially gave my life to Christ. But the Lord is far from finished with me. There's still a lot of things that he needs to work on. But he has brought me very far thus far. It is an ongoing process. It is going to be difficult at times, but we must endure. We must persevere. We must continue to press on and holding on to our source of strength and our power, our fortress, Christ Jesus. But it is something that it is done gradually. The second thing, it is something that is done hidden. The pearls form in the ocean, inside the shell. You can't really tell unless you, you know, clamp it open. But it is happening in there, you know, in a hidden way. And when the Holy Spirit works in your life, when you allow Christ in your heart, you start seeing the church changes inwardly. And perhaps we won't be able to see it on the outside, but eventually it will begin to be seen. And eventually people will look and say, wow. There's something beautiful about you. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. And that's when you say, well, let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Oh, what a friend I have in Jesus. And let me tell you a little bit about him. But people will get to see Christ in you. When they see you, they'll see a little bit of him shining in you. It happened with Moses. He got a cool, shiny face after spending time with God. And when you spend time with Jesus, when you let him in your life, you too will have a light coming out of you because you can't contain it. You cannot contain it, but it happens inwardly. The other thing that I learned is that pearls are formed from junk. I didn't know that. Pieces of sand, bone fragments, parasites, you know, it gets in there. And and, and from there, it becomes a beautiful pearl. Look, I don't know how you guys are, but I have to tell you, I think about how I treated my mom every single time, and and I was straight up trash. I was was really bad. I know it's probably just me. I'm the only one that considers himself, like, worthless and unworthy. But I have to tell you, you know, God can do something amazing. doesn't matter what kind of junk you are, the type of junk that you are, a parasite, a bone fragment, a piece of dead fish, a piece of sand. You can be a beautiful, beautiful pearl because Christ sees the beauty in you. I mean, think about it. When I read the definition, the pearl, the the, the clam or whatever gets hurt by whatever inserts there, the, the intrusive thing, and it starts secreting layers and layers over it, and that is the response to the hurt that it has. Think about it. The pearl is the oyster's answer to that which wounded it, Right? And the pearl owes its existence to the oyster's willingness to cover when he had cut it. Jesus does the same thing with you and me. By his wounds that many of us are responsible for inflicting. I know some of you are saints, but the rest of us who fall short of his glory, by his wounds, we are healed. You are the very thing that caused pain. It was humanity that allowed sin to enter the world, who was deceived by the devil himself, that all serpent of all called the devil and Satan. And it was through our hurting of God. It was through the pain that we caused. It was through the betrayal, through the turning away from God. That he is willing to put coverings upon you and layers upon layers because his grace is sufficient and make out of you and me a beautiful pearl. This is how my God works. The pearls covered by this fluid called nacre, you are covered by his grace. 1 Corinthians 6.20 It says, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, 
Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Jesus saw the value in you. Just like a piece of bacteria, sand, bones hurt the clam, and the clam took an opportunity to turn it into precious pearl, Jesus saw that no matter the filth that you may be out of, that you think you're made out of, because to him, you're still precious. I remember a pastor years ago, I'm too broke to do that, but he brought out a $100 bill, and he says, hey, who wants this? Everybody raise their hand. He crumble it up, step on it. Who wants this? And, and, and everybody still raised their hand. He, he, he pretended to spit on it, blow his nose on it. Who still wants this? You know, rubbed his armpits with it. Everybody still raised their hand. Why? Because they saw the value in that $100 bill. And then he actually gave it away to the people in the church. Good for him. I'll just use his example as an illustration. People still saw the value in the money. Stepped on, wrinkled up, rubbed on the armpits. I don't care if it's smelly. I'll take it. Jesus sees the precious value on you. I don't know how else to explain this. You know, I have to tell you, um, I, you know, okay, so, so, so in my life, I, I used to teach swimming lessons for infants starting at six months old and so forth. And I also used to be an EMT years ago. And so the many jobs that I've held, I have encountered many babies. And whoever tell you, please don't stall me, whoever tell you that all babies are cute is a liar. I have seen some babies that is like, oh, God, you know, it's like, I, I don't know, the head comes out this way. And sometimes parents send me pictures of the babies with like all covered in stuff and juices and fluids. And it's like, oh, no, you know, like, like wait a couple of days until the head shrinks a little bit and it settles down and the cone head disappears and whatever. But, you know, I see some babies that, yeah, is a face only a mother could love. By the way, people used to tell me that growing up. And I didn't get until I got older how bad that was. But there's a face only a mother can love. I get that. But even if you think you're one of those ugly conehead babies with all kinds of juices, Jesus sees you as the most beautiful, precious thing in the whole world. He would die all over again for you and me. He sees the value in you. Are you willing to see the value in him? Last scripture for today, found in Philippians chapter 3, beginning of verse 7. It says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 8, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Are you willing to see the value of that great gift, the pearl that it is Christ Jesus? Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for seeing the value in me. I know that oftentimes I critique your precious gift. I say, who am I? I'm worthless. I'm this. I'm that. But you, Lord, see the beauty in all of us, even me. And so, Father God, thank you for loving us so much. We ask that you continue to grow in our lives. We ask that you give us the strength to fully let you in, to completely, entirely surrender to you and let you work. After all, you are the precious pearl that God gave us because he loved us so much. Let us let you in our lives. Give us the strength to do so. Remove all doubt. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. And Lord, we look forward to seeing the wonders that you're going to work in our lives, in us, and through us for the benefit of all. Bless us and keep us right now. 
It is my prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen.